I'm Sam Seitels, and you are listening to The Pillars of Hamilton. This is the second to last episode before I release the season finale with my very, very good friend, Karen Friel Morrow. She came into the studio to talk about Dan Morrow. Many of you probably know Dan Morrow is my former co-host who we lost to COVID eight months ago. Karen and I had many laughs and tears as we talk about the greatness that was Dan. If you love Dan or just want to learn about who he was, I urge you to listen to that episode. Tonight's guest is my new friend, Eileen Snyder. Eileen is a local coordinator for ASSE New Jersey. ASSE is a cultural exchange program that brings in youth from other countries, matches them up with a family, and unites them for a year. Not only does she play a vital role in matching up these students with families, but she has also hosted several guests in her own home. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my new friend, Eileen Snyder. You're listening to the Pillars of Hamilton. That's with me, Sam Sidetells, and you want to know what I'm going to give them? Only the finest that Hamilton has to offer. The biggest blueberries you've ever seen, baby. And they're all here, right now. Welcome, Eileen Snyder. How are you today? Hi. How are you? Good, now that we've already been chatting for like a half hour. (laughs) We kind of hit it off, talking books and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but you're in here for a special reason, because uh, you do some really important work that I'm pretty interested in learning about. Uh, Would you be able to explain to the listeners what it is that your program is all about, the ASSE program? Well, the ASSE program is a cultural exchange program. It's the oldest one in the U.S. Uh, It was created in 1938, and it started in the U.S. in 1976. So what we do, what I do is I'm the local coordinator for all of New Jersey, which is a large area. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. And, uh, but we're hiring. So if anyone's interested, uh, and what I do is I recruit and place students in people's homes. So you share your family, your culture, your uh, faith, your community. Uh, they, are generally in high school. They come here, they're anywhere between 16 and 18 years old, and they come from, I think, a total of 38 different countries. So that's what I do. Uh, And uh, they stay here about 10 months. So for for a school year, they're high school students. So they're, they're really, they really become part of your family. And I've hosted three times since 2016. The pandemic kind of shut me down for a year. But I've hosted from mainly Eastern Europe. So last year I had a young lady from Ukraine, before that Poland, and my first student was from Serbia. So that was um, uh, a wonderful experience. I can't express um, the benefits that I've gotten from it, certainly. And hopefully uh, by spending a year here, they go off and some of them get full scholarships to college. So it's very important. Wow. Uh, I have a lot of questions about your experience doing that because that's that's an experience not most people uh, have in their lifetimes, hosting or even being hosted in that kind of situation. First, I want to ask, like, how did that begin? What got you started on this endeavor? It was always on my bucket list, so to speak. Uh, my brother-in-law who was from Ecuador, he was hosted by a family when he was in college. So I heard about it from him. And I it was just something that I always wanted to do. I don't have, my husband and I don't have children. We just have uh, a couple dogs and a cat. And I just thought we had enough room in our home. And uh, since we've been fortunate enough to travel, but never to Eastern Europe, I thought it would be interesting to just give back. It's a way to promote cultural awareness. Um, I figured I'm paying tax dollars into the school system. Maybe, <laughs> you know, by having a student, uh, I could uh, reap some reward from that. And 
Uh, I just uh, wanted to, you know, share with a student whose dream it is to come here and go to school and then reap the rewards later as part of the program, which um, two of my three students did get full scholarships, one to NYU, uh, where she is now a sophomore, and the second one just graduated uh, as a finance major and is working for Coca-Cola International. So like your own children, you see them progress, and and my student that is a sophomore at NYU, uh, she actually goes to school in Abu Dhabi, but she has an internship in Washington, so I'll see her in about eight weeks. So I'm very excited because I haven't seen her since 2018. So you really keep in touch so, with these yeah, people. So yeah, you keep in touch and people who choose the host, you choose the student with similar interests that your family has. If if you like hiking, biking, cooking, athletics, um, that's the student you choose. I just placed a student from Spain with a family uh, in South Jersey that owns 10 horses and she's an equestrian so she'll be with them a full year i can't wait to see them meet because i think she'll just horse be, lovers she'll love, love it horses. Yeah. And, yeah and she'll thrive in that environment because that's what she has at home and now she'll be getting the american experience that's what she wants wants the american experience and so that's um that's how you choose I think um, if there's a country that maybe you visited like Italy or Spain or Germany or Denmark or Sweden that you loved and maybe you want to host a student from there and then they you can visit them and they will you know put you up right so it's kind of um, it's sort of like having a relative in that country yeah um, the woman that supervises me, she just was in Italy for two or three weeks visiting a previous exchange student. So uh, it's really exciting. You just, uh, the, the conversation around the dinner table is very, very different. You know, it's very, um, you know, it's more involved. And sometimes, you know, you talk about politics in that country or what it's like to be a teenager in that country, what their traditions are what their customs are. My Eastern European students, you know, their holidays are all different. So, you know, we celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December, and then I got to celebrate again on January 7th. Nice. <laughs> so, you know, and we made their uh, traditional food, and we dressed up, and it was just, it was a lot of fun. And, but like any child that lives in your home, they have rules. Um, they, um, have to do well in school. They do all excel. Um, they all speak English fluently, and they usually. I was going to ask you about that. Yes, they're English. They they're tested, so their English is is fluent. It's perfect, and usually they speak a third or fourth language. So. Um, oh, so these are kids who are excelling. They're excelling. They're the best that their country has to offer, and um, you know they do chores and they oh. participate you know i i always gave them things i hated to do <laughs> like emptying the dishwasher you might be selling this to all my <laughs> listeners you know um laundry well let's talk about your yeah. uh, your first guest because in my mind a lot of people mm -hmm. listening as well as myself think wow like this could be a very cool experience but at the it same is. time it sounds very overwhelming and could be very scary. And what if you get someone who you guys don't end up having good chemistry with and, it, it, you know, you got 10 months of awkwardness. I don't know. So let's start off at your, clearly you've had an amazing experience as well as the kids who came in. Could you tell me about your first uh, exchange student who came to your house? What was that like? What were the first days like? Uh, once you got into the groove, what was that like? And then and, and at the end, what did, it was a, a, a girl, the first yes. one? Yes. What, what do you think women. She, she... Oh, all women. Okay. Mm -hmm. What do you think she got from the experience? You know, what, what was it like, that first that first exchange student? Well, I just want to address uh, the, the topic that you brought up, which is very important. What if there's problems? Well, you always have local support. And uh, problems are very rare, I think, because we match the students so well. And once... Um, you choose a student, 
uh, then you can communicate with them. So it's through email or telephone or Zoom. Uh, I still Zoom with all my students, my Ukrainian girl. She's now in Poland. I just Zoomed with her a week ago. And um, to answer the, the second topic, what was it like? Well, I had no expectations. I just said, you know what? What could go wrong? <laughs> you know, it's a you know a 16-year-old high school student. Um, I, for 15 years, have been an academic advisor. I've advised thousands of uh, students coming right out of high school. So I thought that I was pretty hip, pretty cool when it came to understanding them. But uh, most of these students are so mature. And uh, they're very, I think they're a little bit different than American kids because they're very well traveled. You know, when you live in mm. Europe, it's very easy. Um, uh, my students were very uh, independent, um, but they had rules. And, and as girls, um, you know, I had to read them the riot act, you know, never get in a car with anyone. I don't mm. care if it's your cousin. You call me, I will get you home wherever I am. That That's was one point. of my rules. I didn't think about that. Yeah. The, the, the safety Never. things that you, uh, mm -hmm. you might not think about, you know, these are things that these exchange students may not be prepared for and might make some mistakes that, you know, your typical American would know to stay away from. Right. So yeah. Cause you know, you don't want anything that's going to, you know, negatively impact the experience and follow them through their life, you know? So that was some of the rules, you know, certainly, um, you know, keeping their room orderly, you know, doing their chores. When Are they, these things that they're schooled on before they come to you, or is they, this something you have to school them on when they arrive? Well, they do, they do go through orientation, and it's pretty intense because it's a, for some students, it's a very competitive program. If there's 1,100 applicants, maybe only 2% get to come here. Oh. So it's... it's is that... Because they didn't meet the criteria or because there's not enough people who are part of this program who are willing to take them in? Um, because they didn't meet the criteria. Whoa. So they're tested and they're interviewed and, you know, they're, they're, they have to be able to be completely fluent in English, reading, writing, speaking. They do write a letter to their host family, which the host family does get access to once they complete an application. So, uh, but I just... Um, my first student, she was, um, what this can I say? She was five foot, <laughs> she was from uh, Serbia. She was five foot 10, uh, you know, very, very uh, attractive. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have problems with boys. <laughs> and uh, of course, she uh, went to a school in, uh, I was in Savannah, Georgia at the time. So I put her in school and, um, I told her, you know, uh, before she even came here, I said, you will be a minority in this school. It's about 65 to 70% African-American. Is that a problem for you? And she said, absolutely not. And I said, and then the other 14% is Asian-American. And she says, no. She says, I think that's fantastic. I said, well, you're going to get the real American cultural experience and she loved it but she was so good at math by the first week she was tutoring all the boys and I said to her I think they all know how to do algebra I just think they, they want, want they want to hang out <laughs> they with want you. that tutoring session yes so um but she was very mature and uh she uh she really wasn't into sports but she was into other things um at one point um, she was, she wanted to be a cheerleader, but she didn't make the team. So I had to kind of, you know, she was hurt. soften the blow. She was, she, I said, well, you know, the, those young ladies, you know, they can really move and like, they've probably been doing it for years. They've been too. doing it since they were probably in middle school, you know, but then she decided, well, I'm going to play tennis. And she was kicking everybody's butt. She was beating everybody. She was like. Um, and then she was tutoring and she was doing other, uh, she got to, uh, won a scholarship to go to, uh, Washington DC for a week. And that was, uh, very exciting wow. for her. So what an experience, so 
the best thing is if you already have children and you bring in an exchange student, if you have room, your children will get an education like no other. Mm. You know, they, they'll learn about yes. the cultural, they'll learn about politics, the money, maybe pick up some of the language and the customs. And it's just, wow, uh, it's I a great way. I didn't think about it like that. Because yeah. my parents had, uh, my parents were traveling to France a lot when I was a kid. They just loved France. And mm. uh, they would meet people and these these people would come and spend time with us. And God, I, I really did learn a lot from, from those people who came and stayed with us for like two weeks or something. I can only imagine like really diving in for 10 months and really getting to know a person and becoming almost like family. And they do, and they do become like family. And my first student, I don't think the impact of being here really hit her at first. But about a year ago, uh, when she was uh, in her last year of college, and she went, she won a scholarship to a school in Milan called Bocconi, which is uh, apparently a very good school. And we did a Zoom, and she said, you know, I don't think that I ever thanked you and your husband enough for what you did for me. And really, she kind of made me cry because I always knew she would make it with or without our help, but just the fact that she acknowledged it. And my second student um, uh, from Poland, um, her parents still send me gifts. (laughs) I get these big get packages. Gifts. They still send me gifts. They're just so appreciative. Have you met them in person? Um, no, I've met them on Zoom. Okay. But um, so it's, you know, it's that friendship that you make. It's that forever friendship. I can tell. It yeah, really. It is. It's wonderful. It's. Um, get you right in the heart, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, it was very easy for me to do. And maybe that's just my personality. I like to be thrown into the fire that's always been my life <laughs> whether it's been work or uh you know marriage or you know doing it you know, that's just my and not everybody's like that everybody has some people ask a lot of questions and i say ask because these it's important this person will be with you for 10 months but it will be the best 10 months and when they leave like i have a student that's I have a student from, uh, a client actually, she's from the Czech Republic and she's with a family in Woodstown. And I was speaking to the host mother the other day. She also is a equestrian. And she says, you know, my husband and I, we just dread the day that, you know, our girl leaves because she's been such a bright spot for us, you know, uh, taking her places and, and, you know, certainly, they don't go far, but they'll go to Atlantic City or, you know, they'll, um, you know, go horseback riding. She just came back from her school, uh, went to Disney World. So she got that experience. So I, I think that, um, you know, you get a little attached. I would imagine so. I mean, yeah. First of all, uh, first of all, I can tell you're you're someone who will jump right into the fire because <laughs> normally I've done almost a hundred of these Pillars of Hamilton podcast, and I'd say eighty percent of my guests start to freak out before they come on. Oh, I'm not that interesting. Oh, what are we gonna talk about? Blah. You were just like, here's my talking points. Let's go. <laughs> so, right on. I'm the same way. I'm like, let's just go for it. Yeah, it's you, just our personalities. Yeah, you know? I, I always you get the say best it, experiences. That it is way. the best experience. I. I just find that uh, I think my circumstancing, my circumstances growing up put me, made me that way. It was like do or die, sort of. What were your circumstances? Well, you know, I was on my own since I was 17 and, you know, I had to work and go to school and I was still in high school and I had my own apartment. Whoa, and at 17? Yeah, I was, at, I was 17. And, Whoa. and, you know, I just, I made it, you know, I got out of high school, I started going to college, and then I got a job in Atlantic City, and it just, you know, went from there. So I faced a lot of, um, um, what's the word I'm trying to... uh, Adversity? Adversity, yes, that's a great, a lot of adversity. And if you just keep moving forward and never look back, you'll make it. And that's what I used to tell my students, you know, just, okay, so you want to be a physician and you failed your chemistry test. All right, well, let's get an A next time. Let's just work 
twice as hard. Always you moving know, forward. Oh, just move forward. And if if you can't get into medical school here, then you go to the Caribbean. <laughs> you know, and you get or there, options. Yeah, there's a, or I'll tell you the back door into getting into medical school. There's a back door, and I'll tell you what it is, and and you'll and you'll get there. But don't dwell on the past. Just keep moving forward. So that's why it was so much fun for me because a lot of, when you're that young and you you know you have these incredible goals I mean I never had goals like that I just wanted a college degree I didn't care if it was in basket weaving I just wanted that piece <laughs> of paper but you know these kids you know they want to be pharmacists and physicians and you know chiropractors and and you know they don't there's not a lot of room for error because it's so competitive. So I would just say, you know, let's just move forward, but you got to really work hard. So I think that's why I like the exchange program. And I like having um, these students in my home because um, it, there is uncertainty, but if you have children, there's uncertainty every day. Oh, I get it. <laughs> I get it. You got plans. They're going to be like this and that and this and right. that. And then you find out, oh, they're like that and this and that and this. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's, you know, but the these are adults. So, you know, you have a lot of leverage. And I think, uh, as you said, you know, with their orient, they don't want to be sent home. They want to follow the plan. They want to do what they're supposed to do. And they want to make this a very memorable experience. One of the first things I give them is a journal. And I tell them, write down every day because it may not, you may not value it now, but 10 years mm -hmm. from now when maybe, I don't know, you're head of a company or maybe you're going to graduate school or you have a family, you'll look back and you'll say, wow, that's who I was. That's what I did. Isn't that amazing? So... Do you have old journals that you look back to? Oh, I have so many journals. Oh my gosh. When I look back at my teenage Do you journals, look oh, it's so painful. <laughs> Eileen, I read like a line and I'm like, oh my God, Sam, what's wrong with <laughs> you, you man? Do you want to give us an example? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Use your imagination. <laughs> I was a teenager and uh, Oh, that's funny. It's good to see though. Maybe they'll be published one day. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of money in that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, you'd have to pay me a lot. <laughs> a lot. Oh, yes. So I got to ask, like, this is such a huge commitment. And uh, you are married, correct? I am. So I'm sorry. What's your husband's name? Pablo. Is Pablo all in? Is he like, oh, yeah. you mean to tell me we're bringing in a teenager for a year? Like, what's oh, yeah. his stance? Oh, he loved it. You know, he has uh, five sisters. So uh, I I said to him, would you like to take in a boy? And he says, no, let's just stick with the girls. And I said, well, you know, I think I might want to, you know, a boy just to see. And and, and he says, oh, a boy's going to have all kinds of girlfriends and, you know, problems. <laughs> and I said, all right, we'll stick with the girls. The bedroom is... You know, I'd have to kind of butch it up a little, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Yeah, yeah. Like put race car. You know, the room is very feminine. So I said, all right, well, we'll stick with, uh, you know, for me, it's a companion. Uh, a lot of my students, you know, they would get involved in groups that I was in. Like I belonged to a writing group and they would come there with me. Or if they had something that they had going on. You know, I would say, well, can I tag along or could I join? So, you know, and then you make friends that way, right? I mean, you know, I made friendships within the school. I got to know the principal and the guidance counselors, and they became, you know, really lifelong friends for me. So that's so cool. So it expanded my. Your horizon. student from Ukraine. Yes. Uh, has she talked to you about her current situation? Like she, she does. What has she said about everything? Well, uh, her parents are still, their village is um, about four hours south of Kiev. And uh, it's untouched as of right now. But they're bringing in a lot of refugees and trying to settle them in. But her father can't leave the country because he has to stay to fight if it comes to that. Whoa. Because I think he's fairly young. I think he's probably 
She's a, she'll be 18 July 1st. So I would say her parents are probably in their early forties. She's an only child. Her mother would not leave the father, but they sent her to Poland. So she's living in an apartment with some cousins. And I spoke to her on Tuesday. Um, yes, last week. And she was pretty upbeat. She says, you know, I can't complain. I have a roof over my head. I, you know, have, have food, you know, I'm safe. So um, does she have friends though that she's worried about? I mean, obviously her She family. is. She looked worried. You know, she looked worried. Uh, I said, you know, do you need anything? Do you need clothes or, uh, you know, anything, books? I can send them to you. And she says, no, I just brought a backpack. She says, I have a couple changes of clothes. And, you know, she's, even when I was, when she was an exchange student, she was very minimalist. You know, she was just very simple. Easy going. Easy going, wants to be a filmmaker. So we would talk about all the great filmmakers, uh, you know, from Martin Scorsese to Igmar Bergman. And, you know, yeah, it was really cool. And, um, so I told her that I will sponsor her to come here. And so that's what my husband and I are doing. We had to get all our financial documents uh, notarized this week. Oh, my God. You guys are so cool. And um, we hope that maybe by the end of the summer we can bring her here because there's a lot of uh, colleges that are offering free tuition to Ukrainian refugees. That's amazing. So it would be really nice because, uh, you know, she, she deserves it. And I think that, you know, if you can help one person, whether you can write a check, I really can't write a check, but, you know, if I can bring her over and get her paper so that she can work and maybe start out a community college, that would be... That'd be wonderful. That would be good for her. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask about the process first i want to know about the process i want to eventually find out the process that uh, a potential i don't know if client is the right word but a a potential person who might want to uh bring in one of these exchange students what their process is like but i'd love to know your process what do you go through in order to make that perfect match well what happens is um the client fills out the application, and that comes through. There's a couple housekeeping things that we need to do. Uh, they fill out the application. They then uh, fill out a form that allows us to do a background check, and that's on any everyone in the house that's 18 or older. We do a, a criminal background check, and there's no charge for any of it. Once that comes back, then I set up an appointment to go out and meet them face-to-face. I call. Um, Wait a minute. They pick the day. How does that work? How do you meet them face-to-face? I just go out to their home. In another, you travel all the way out to? Oh, I'm talking about families here. Oh, that's oh, what I oh, thought oh, the process okay. was. No, yeah. Okay, okay. so a family here in town, that makes sense. I was wondering right. when you mentioned the criminal history and all that stuff, <laughs> I was like, you have to do that for the kids? Okay, for the family, that makes for total sense. For the families, sense. that would be the process, yeah. Yeah. Uh, on their end, uh, th- so in their native country, there's, I guess, a different process for, um, for each um country i would imagine we don't really get involved in that that's done over there so they have people like me over there uh i would imagine that students fill out some sort of application and then they get called in for an interview Mm. um, and and then they go through tests they test their english and they have to uh you know be making progress in school not quite sure of how that's done how they're chosen um there is a scholarship called FLEX, which is Future Leaders of America. That's actually financed by the State Department. And that's for Eastern Europe. And um, they have to apply. And that's a very rigorous uh, process. And the ones that are selected, of course, get to come here. And they receive a scholarship, which means that they get a stipend 
every month. It's very small. It's only $125. And what does that go towards? Uh, whatever they want. So they could, you know, maybe they want to travel with it or they want to buy clothes or maybe they want to go to the movies or, you know. Um, what about food? Well, I provide room and board. You do? I, yes. So wow. when they come, they, you know, eat meals with us. And then, of course, they have to have a place to sleep, which, is, you know, since I don't have children, they have their own room. But they can share a room with a same-sex sibling as long as it they're not more than four years uh, apart in age. Okay. So if they're 16, they can share a room with, what, a 12-year-old, let's okay. say. So it can't be more than that. It has to be same sex. So that's, so, you know, they're chosen very carefully. Some uh, scholarships, there's also another scholarship called YES, and they're students primarily from Muslim countries. Uh, they also get a scholarship. And um, if they're chosen, again, they come over and they, they get a small stipend. So that helps a little bit. Sure. Uh, with, yeah. Um, I mean, you, you know, them having country. Yeah. Because a lot of them come from very small villages and sometimes they come from means and sometimes, most of the times, they don't. So uh, some families think, well, you know, the students come from, um, you know, families that are, you know, more middle class, but some come from upper middle class. My my young lady from Poland, her father was an engineer and her mother was a microbiologist. So, uh, but she uh, signed up for the Flex Scholarship. She competed and she um, did become one of the 2% that, that came here. So it is a very long competitive process. So she ever, definitely deserved it. Do you ever get a student who meets all the criteria as far as academics and being responsible uh, at the same time they're living in poverty? I would say they're, they're necessarily living in poverty, but um, they may come from a small town. Okay. Uh, that doesn't have a lot of resources, you know, and uh, my one, my first student, when she went home, she took uh, three suitcases full of books Whoa. She wanted books on... Oh, I bet you love that. Uh, well, she um, the, the organization gave her, I think they gave her $300 for overweight. So I said, what are in these suitcases? And she said, books. <laughs> books because, are heavy. Because in her village, it's very hard to get books. And she uh, took out books on Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. And because she wanted to... Um, you know, civil rights in her country, especially for women, uh, was very important to her. And, you know, they come here, these young ladies, and they see, um, you know, women that are so successful. And, uh, you know, they're running companies, they're running their families, they're running, starting small businesses. And then they go back into their culture, and they have a whole different outlook Whoa. on what women can become you know, in society and how they can, you know, participate. It's, it's amazing. So yeah, she took all these books and I was like, you know, okay. For me, I would have said, well, I think that's, I would have taken clothes and shoes. And <laughs> I don't believe you. After the conversation we had, ladies and gentlemen, Eileen reads, what was it? Three books a week? Three books a week. Yeah. On I, average. I, yeah, on average. I think you'd bring a few books with you back home for sure. I know I have two in my car now. I said, if <laughs> Sam isn't there, if he's tied up, I have two books to read. Yeah, two. But. But for the families, they fill out the application. We do the background check. I call you. I come out to your home. I meet you. I take photographs. Uh, not Certainly not in your personal living space, but any shared spaces. So the bedroom, the bathroom, the living room, the dining room. Just to make sure it's kitchen. all up to par. Yeah, just, uh, I take a picture of the outside of the house. Uh, if there's any other buildings that I need to take a picture of, uh, I will. Uh, but that's pretty much it. And then I do, uh, you're asked to give three references that you've known for two or, uh, I think over two years, I call your references. And then, uh, at that point you've been emailed a list of students 
Uh, some people say, well, I want a student from Italy. So that's what I mail out to you. Oh, you get to kind of choose. And they get to choose. and Or you'll say, you know, I want a student who likes, you know, to cook. And who wouldn't want a student from Italy that right. loves cooking, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Or, you know, I want a student that plays soccer. Or uh, I want a student that, you know, likes to read or, you know, likes to play lacrosse or the student that That's I have. That's really cool. It what is. a difference it would make if you had that initial bond off o- over something that you both right. are passionate about. I mean, sure. there's no, it's just like that in America. You, you meet someone uh, that you don't know and you find out you both love books. It's boom, instant connection. I mean, right. if you're going to live together for 10 months, if you have the same passions, I've got to imagine that's got to make a, a real big impact on the dynamic in the relationship. It does, and, and they just, it's a good fit because you do have that commonality and those yeah. similar interests. So, you know, maybe it's wrestling. I don't know. I'm, I'm oh, sure. Oh, I'm sure. Who the, knows? Yeah, <laughs> boy, if there's a pro wrestling fan out there, they'd have a good tam- time in my house. Oh, my God. It's my brother. Oh, oh does he love it? Oh, we should talk loves, sometime. Yeah, he does. He loves all that stuff. But uh, so uh, then once all that's done, the references, the home visit, uh, then uh, they can, and they choose a student. We certainly put that student on hold because near the end it gets very busy. You start to get a lot of families that want students. And, you know, sometimes, um, you know, although we get new students every week, but as we get closer to the school year, August, when they're getting prepared and oriented to come here, uh, there's less of a selection. So I always say, you know, choose early, lock that student in early. Then you can Zoom, you can email, you can communicate, learn about each other. And then when they get off that plane and you see them walk, you know, down the steps or whatever, you feel like you know them. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is, it's a nice connection. You know, their likes, their dislikes. Their- I'm going to ask you to elaborate because I'm really hoping that at least one person listening to this will consider taking us up on this program, how would you sell it to someone, someone who's never even considered this being a possibility as, as a part of their life? Because most people would probably be overwhelmed on paper hearing just a teenager coming to my house from another country for 10 months. How would you sell it to someone like me or, or anyone else who, you know, loves people, but uh, wouldn't be so sure if this would be the right thing? thing for them like what what would we get out of this experience well I always say if I was speaking to a woman I would say you know be the cool mom on the block <laughs> you know impress all your friends and you know with a foreign exchange student when I had when I told my friends that that's what I was doing they were like oh my god that is so cool I never thought about doing that you know it has to really be a personal choice I I don't think it's a sell so much as um, uh, just an awakening or just mm. engaging people's um, thoughts. You know, maybe... An awakening. Yeah, no one really thought, oh, I can, you know, have a kid from, you know, Sweden come to my home. How cool would that be? And, uh, you know, how would my children or my grandchildren... And if you're an empty nester... Isn't that wonderful to now have someone in your home that's, um, you know, different, but has similar likes and, and what you can offer them. I loved, um, sharing all my experiences, uh, with my students, um, saying, you know, let's let, you know, this author is going to be in town tonight. Let's go see this author. And, And then we could talk about the books and we could meet them. Because in Savannah, it's such a small town. When you go see an author like a like a Charles Frazier or an Anne Hood, you know, in Philadelphia, you you can't get close to those people or a Joyce Maynard. But in Savannah, you you know, you go right up to them and you know maybe you have a drink with them and you get to know them and they sign your book and and so it was just really it, it was really a fun experience and uh, do you so- think all the all of the uh, homes take on this attitude like you do like you really give these students an experience i mean you're taking them places and showing them stuff is that the majority of the people who 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 do this program i think so i do the ones that i've met um i think that they uh really enjoy that 
Um, I think they're outgoing by nature. I mean, if, you know, if you like to sit home every night and, and watch, you know, I don't even watch TV, binge, so I don't binge know. watch Netflix. You don't <laughs> want to be bothered. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, you probably, an exchange student, I mean, they would still be very grateful, don't get me wrong, because they'll make their own friends. Yeah. My first student, she made friends with uh, a young lady that uh, did the roller derby. She was a, you know, a roller derby That's queen. Cool. I don't even know what to that call her. That one where her. they smash into each other on roller skates? Yeah, and, and she would travel with her and her mother. and uh, They would go to Florida all the time. And, and, you know, and she would come home and she'd say, oh, you know, this happened and that happened. And I was like, you know, I don't want you on roller skates. I'm a little <laughs> overprotective. Oh, no, I wouldn't put those. I said, she does it because she's, you know, very good at it. She's done it It's a lot time. like wrestling, that, yeah, that yeah, sport. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I know there's something about it that I love. I don't know because I saw Paul Newman in that movie back in the 70s. Or, <laughs> or uh, But um, we had the Savannah Devils. I think that's what they were called. And we would go to the, the games. And then she would go off with this girl and her mother of course you know we have to check everybody out make yeah sure yeah you know but um you know like your own children you know who you can trust and you know who you know you might have to put the fear of god <laughs> yeah <laughs> you gotta be a parent you gotta yeah be a you parent. do i mean it is parenting but for some people you know they've done it and it comes very easy and for me um my dad raised me. He was a single parent. He was a disabled vet. Whoa. There was a lot of things that he couldn't do. Uh, wow. So I became very mature very quickly. But, you know, I never broke the rules uh, because I never wanted to disappoint him. But, you know, he had rules. And it was, you know, never get in a car with people. Don't, you know, talk to strange men. I'll always make sure I know where you are. You know, if you want to go to a bar, make sure I know what bar you're in. You know, I will be telling all these to my daughter I one was, day. Because I was a child in the 70s, you know, and there are things that we did. You know, I, you know, maybe young girls still do that. I don't know. But back then. I think in the 70s were, and 80s, yeah. people had a little more fun. I th probably because they didn't have phones to stare at all day. Right. No phones and when you walked out the door, your parents didn't know where you were till you came home. So you had a lot of privacy. You had a lot of anonymity, which you don't have now. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was really a good time to grow up. I, I'm glad I grew up when I did, but, um, that's a very unique childhood. Uh, it is. I think it is. Yeah. I, I, you know, that type of childhood doesn't exist anymore unless, you know, you live, you know, somewhere, where yeah, you I don't, can't get cell phone I know a lot service. Of, I know a lot of kids, no one's living that lifestyle. <laughs> I try with my kids as best as I can, but, you know. But kids go to camp now. I think that's kind of a way. They come to my summer Yeah, they camp. come to your camp. But let me tell you something. So I'd say majority of people, they come, they're like, wow, my kids can be outside all day, this mm -hmm. and that. But there are definitely parents who would prefer the safety of being at home on the couch on an iPad. Yeah. Um we do see that, yeah. which is a bummer. I, I really think summer camp, you're absolutely right. And I'm not selling my product. I'm just saying in no. general, any summer camp that's outside absolutely. where you're learning bow and arrow, where you're playing, yep. where the counselors are up on stage making fools of themselves. Like those are the memories you want as a child. Absolutely. You just, you, you know, I think what, I think what the most interesting people that you meet in your life are probably people who had parents that let them just be themselves wasn't always worried about you know where are you what are you doing you know let them you know make mistakes and explore things and you know make you know like I my, growing up my girlfriends were all tough because I came from Catholic school and my dad couldn't afford to send me to Catholic high school, so he put me in public school, and the first thing I said to him was, I'm going to get beat up. And he said, no, you're not. He says, why would you say that? I said, well, because, you know, look at me. I think I'm going to get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> Solid point. <laughs> so as soon as I got to ninth grade, I said, I'm going to find the toughest meanest i want a girl that when i look at her she looks like a this bulldog. sounds like you're going into prison <laughs> this sounds like you're planning for prison that's what i was planning for so one day i'm i'm in school and i pass this girl and she just she was little but she looked tough yeah 
And so I started asking around, and they said, oh, yeah, she's, you don't want to mess with her. I said, well, she's going to be my best friend. <laughs> and she did. She became my best friend. And I said, if I just mention her name, people, Men and women, they just run wow. because she was, she had that. And then I met another girl who also had the, and I said, I'm set for life. And you know, they're my life. You had your little friends. bodyguards. So I had my bodyguards because I had this fear, <laughs> you know, coming from Catholic school where the kids are really worse than High public school. High school is scary. Yeah. It is. It was very scary for me because I, you know, I was very bookish. You know, I didn't, I wasn't a joiner. I was, I wouldn't join clubs. I didn't play sports. You know, I did my homework. Uh, I didn't even go to school really every day. I only went to school about three out of five days. What? <laughs> you know, I just, I had a life outside of school. So school for me was never really a high priority. And I still got pretty good grades. So if I went every day, I probably would have been, I probably would have won a scholarship, but I didn't. Yeah. But, um, so that was kind of like my defense mechanism was to, you know, make, and you know, a lot of times, Tough girls, you know, they have trouble making friends. But I was like, oh, no, they're going to uh, be my friends, you know. And, of course, mm, my dad loved them, you know, and they loved him because, you know, he was just a lot of fun. But I think he let me work it out, and that's how I worked it out. That's how it's done, right? The experience and the growing experience from The experience and dealing with, you know, challenges. That so many parents nowadays want to shield their kids yeah. from everything i'm not even just talking about uh social interactions i'm talking about no don't go on that swing you can fall off you know just things that you just grow from whether yeah. it is you learn something or maybe you do take a bump but you learn that you can get up and keep on going as opposed to the person doesn't get those experiences they're terrified when they're faced with some kind of adversity and when they do get hurt they don't know how to handle it right it's all about the experiences and growing from them. Exactly. I, I find today, and I hate to say it, but I have many examples, which I won't give you. Uh, young people can't handle conflict. Mm. And um, it's kind of sad because... Face-to-face -face conflict, yeah, right? Like, even, you know, even if you're in a restaurant and, you know, you say, you know, I don't like that table. It's, you know, I don't want to sit there. Like, they don't know how to handle that. I saw, uh, God, we got. I have so much to move on to before, mm -hmm. but I've got to tell you this. We were at Hibachi the other day. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget it. Have you been to a Hibachi restaurant? They yeah. do this stuff. Oh, oh, the fried rice. Mm. Everything's good. So good. I don't know how they do it, but it's delicious. So this boy, he's on his phone the entire time. The guy's making the volcano. The kid couldn't care less. And I remember him looking at his, uh, maybe his grandpa at one point. He looked, he says, Grandpa, look. I have 2,000 followers on, on Instagram or whatever. And the grandpa's like, wow, I'm so proud of you. But then when it became time for, when it came time for the chef to throw the shrimp at all of us and open our mouths, this boy was so timid that he wouldn't even look up. He just shook his head no and kept it down. So meanwhile, this kid who's so happy about having these followers that he'll never meet, they're just names on a website. Right. And here we have a real experience with a chef about to sh chuck a piece of shrimp across <laughs> a restaurant into your face I'm not for everyone that. to watch. Yeah, but he's missing that. I know. You're absolutely right. They don't, uh, I don't know if they, it's just because they're online, so they don't have to face, do that face-to-face -face conflict. I know, I know online conflict happens all the time and it's awful because you cannot see the other person's face or hear their voice and really know what they're, what they mean, what with what they're saying as opposed to a lot of people so a lot of people online will say things that they would never say in person exactly they would never look at someone in the eye and say like oh you're a dumbass piece of crap you know but online it's so easy and, and almost pathetic you know i uh i hope i hope that this is just the beginning stages like this is all very new and i hope this is one of those things that in a generation from now we learn from and realize like okay this Twitter, the the way we're conversing online is not working and it's not bringing us closer together. It's tearing us apart and we need to uh, ma change the way we do this and perhaps go back to the old ways of having those confrontations and growing from them, having a full conversation where you can disagree mm -hmm. and, and learn from. Exactly. No, there isn't anything that can't be worked out. 
Yeah. You know, there just isn't. But I think, you know, I've lived long enough that I think the pendulum will f- swing back the other way. It always does. It does, right? You know, and I, th- and, you know, I tell young people that, you know, it'll swing back. You know, we'll start reading. Look, we love vinyl records now, right? I know. Who thought? I, mean, I started so collecting cool. again. I'm listening to uh, Miles Davis records upstairs nowadays. How I cool mean, is that's that? fantastic. So, you know, maybe uh, letter writing will come back and maybe people will start to read newspapers. It just newspapers. means so much more. Yeah. I could put the coolest playlist on my phone on the stereo and we just listen to it. But there's something about taking that vinyl putting it it's on so put the tactile. needle on yes that's scratchy yes oh, and then you're beautiful. really listening you know and you flip it over and the next time and like, you actually have to get up off the sofa <laughs> and flip it over so pain no in the button. butt but man you are listening to that music because yeah, you got to hear that other side you know there's that song <laughs> that you just got to hear i know it's wonderful and and, you know, I think that's the beginning, you know. And, I mean, I'm still a letter writer. I, you could ask uh, my friends. They're always getting cards from me. And, and now they're starting to send me cards. So they reciprocate, which I love. It's so special. So it, it, I always tell my husband, make sure you bury me with all this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It's biodegradable paper. <laughs> oh, man. So, Email has nothing on the hand, handwritten letter. No. Nothing at all. No. So before we get to the chat pack, I yes. want to uh, read to you a, I think this was a quote that I found uh, when I was looking up information about you and maybe you could elaborate. I just thought it was cool. It says you are committed to diversity and inclusion initiatives within a higher education setting. Yes. Are you familiar with that one? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really like that. Yeah. Um, Thank you. It's true. I mean, uh, not everybody has access to the best education. We see that, certainly. Most don't. And uh, even with my cultural exchange students, um, I hate to say it, but when I was in Georgia and I went to the school district and I said, you know, I want to put this student in school, they, of course, said, well, we want to put them in a school that's predominantly white in a very affluent neighborhood. And I said, well, first of all, that's a 30-minute commute each way, and these this young woman's going to take the bus to and from school. Okay, She's going to have that experience. And secondly, I don't want her in a, in a predominantly white school. I want her in a school that's up the street from me, and she will – she will be the minority in that school, but she's she's going to uh, have a great time, and they did, and 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 everyone was so gracious and so wonderful. Uh, so I just saw, and I saw the friends that they brought home, and they weren't white kids; they were Vietnamese, they were Indian, they were African American, they were roller derby queens, <laughs> you know. So they embraced the diversity because in Eastern Europe. In these small villages and even in the big cities, Serbia, Poland, Ukraine, there's not a lot of diversity if you think about it. Like, there may not be even one African-American family. And now you're in a school where it's 65 70%. And what they came home and they told me was all these kids work after school. I said, well, they have to because they want, you know, the $250 sneakers and they want cell phones, iPhones. Their parents can't give them those things. So they all work at McDonald's or they work in retail. And they said, well, in our country, we never work when we're in high school. We just focus on our studies. I said, well, see, that's the difference. Wouldn't it be nice if these young people didn't have to work, that they could sit home and study all night and maybe get a college scholarship, but that's not reality for these kids. So I saw that certainly in the high school. And I think that that, the fact that they came home and they brought up these topics, it it was a great conversation. It just, uh, just illuminated the difference, the cultural differences uh, of being a student in, in Eastern Europe, maybe in a village that isn't very uh, wealthy, you're, they're still getting probably a much better education than, than in the richest country in the world because a lot of these minority students, almost all of them, have to work. Mm. So that was very interesting. So, And, you know, working in higher education, you know, you see students. Now, I had all STEM students, so I had all the mm. biology, chemistry, 
And, you know, you want to bring more, you know, minority students into those fields because in America, probably 2% of, of all engineers are Hispanic. You know, I mean, that's a very low percentage. It's not that they're not enrolling in these courses. It's just that they're not graduating in these majors. And a lot of it has to do with money. You know, the money's just not there. You know, they don't get the financial aid that they need. And they, but there's a, but I say there's a lot of, you know, if I would get a minority student and I would look at their SAT scores and they were off the chart, I would say, why don't you apply to Georgia Tech? You know, I mean, this is a great school, but you know what? There's better. And a lot of times they would because they just didn't know. I had a lot of undocumented students that I told them, you're better off going to community college because you're paying so much more money here. You're paying out-of-state tuition when you could go to community college and you could, you know, it would be half. But they didn't know that because no one ever tells them. And so that's kind of where even thinking back you know, when I was 17 and I was on my own, I didn't know anything, <laughs> you know, and there was, and I didn't know anybody that went to college. I was first generation. My father had a sixth grade education. My mother had a 10th grade education. My sisters were high school dropouts. I had no one to help me, but I knew I was going to finish school. Wow. It was just going to take a long time. And it did. It took 10 years because I had to pay out of pocket. So, and work wow. full time. So, uh, and you still, 60% of college students work, and half of the, them work full-time. And um, so, you know, I just, I try to tell them, based on my experience and what I see, and help them navigate so that they can finish. And I think that's really important, because we know that, as a parent yourself, if you're going to send a child to college, you want them to graduate and get a job. You don't want to have the 40-year-old son living in the basement. You know I, what I mean? I refuse. You refuse. You know, you, you need your basement. Maybe you don't have one and have it. To, <laughs> I just but I need my kid to live, live right. life to the you fullest. Want them, right. You want them to, you know, at least enter the middle class and stay there, which means health care. Yes. Right. And find, to me, having a family, find having their a home. passion and, and almost make a living, making right. a living off their passion would be great. Do do what they, you know, what they want. And maybe it isn't even uh, college. Maybe it's something else, yeah, which is wonderful. Totally. But if they you find know, their passion. How many people that you know did go to college who are sitting, I don't know, in some cubicle and they're miserable? Nothing wrong with cubicles. I'm just saying, yeah. you know. Uh, and they're then horrible. how many? They're, they're just, oh, <laughs> I've said enough hours. of them. <laughs> My God, who who enjoys that? And then, you know, there are people who did not graduate and they found what they're passionate about and they may never be rich, but they're happy. And to me, that's way cooler than being rich. Yeah, I, you know, who was it? Um, was it Willie Mays who said, if you do with what you love, the money will come. And, you know, there's a lot of statistics out there, whether you have a degree in chemistry or you have a degree in, I don't know, uh, public health, over your lifetime, you'll make about the same amount of money. But you're right. You have to do what you love because then, uh, you know, you can do it over your lifetime. I know you were a teacher or you mm -hmm. are a teacher. I am, yeah. For, so, my, for know, life, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's... I love it. I, I'm very passionate. And I get very to, passionate. I get very rewarded. I have students who are now getting married and have jobs and they're coming back and thanking me and coming to visit sometimes and... Uh, I remember when I was a kid, and they, uh, I had a really great teacher named Miss Buchanan, and I never understood it when came, like, people are coming back to see their teacher? Like, they're teachers. Yeah. But now it's, like, the most rewarding thing ever is when an old student comes back and thanks me. It's like... I know, it's just... I did good. <laughs> yeah, you just... I mean, you've changed a life forever. And when I started working in higher ed, I worked with mainly adults, they, the average age was about 38. Whoa. And they still contact me through LinkedIn and say, guess what? I just got a PhD. Or guess what? I just got a master's. Or guess what? I just finished law school. I mean, and they're they contacting are, you. And they're contacting you. me like, you know, eight, 10 years later. How and I'm like, oh my God, this is fantastic. I mean, I actually, someone actually listened to me. I yeah. mean, how, I feel and you so, never know, right? It's you like, never know how you impact people or how you make them feel, right? Because, 
you could say one thing and oh, it could just resonate. I have a, I have one memory that I'll never forget where I had a student named Penelope and I guess like five years after she was my student, she came up to me and said, Mr. Sam, do you remember when you told me I wasn't going to do well in this test? Well, I did. And I, and I thought, did I say that? And are you thinking about it five years later? And that was the moment I realized, like, the importance of my words. Like, I am never letting this happen again. I am only saying things that are going to push people forward and not make them feel like I think that they can accomplish something. I don't remember saying that, but I do remember her bringing it back to me, and I realized the power of the words of a teacher or a mentor and uh, how valuable they can be. Very valuable. Hey, you ready for the chat pack? Sure. Oh, before we get to the chat pack, anyone who's interested in adopt uh, adopting what, what what's the word? Exchange, cultural exchange, hosting a student, hosting being a host a mom or dad. Where do they go? What do they do? So what you do uh, is you can go to the website, which is host h o s t dot a s s e dot com. Okay, I'll put the link in. Guys, if you want to see the link, it will be in the description of this episode. And you just fill out the application. You will be contacted. And if you want to move forward, uh, we'll move forward. And if you're in New Jersey, uh, we will meet face-to-face, like it or not. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, and and for me, it's thrilling to meet families because you meet everybody, you know, and... You know, the pets, the cats, the, all the critters. <laughs> I've met goats and oh. donkeys and miniature horses and oh, wow. everything. And it's it's thrilling for me. And um, and I try to accommodate everybody's schedule so you don't have to take a day off or be home, you know. You know what? Maybe, uh, maybe once that little girl of mine graduates, I'll be contacting you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a you little... might need a vacation. <laughs> oh my God. What? Wait, wait. What is this vacation thing you're talking about? Hey, you're going to point to one of these and then I'll read it to you. Okay. Point. Right here. Oh, that one, that, that blue one. Okay. I yeah. got you. Here we go. If you could personally see the highest, longest, or largest of anything in the entire world, what would you want to see the most? Whether it be the highest, the longest, or the largest of something, what would you want to see? Hmm. It'd be the largest uh, pumpkin. It'd be uh, the longest road. I don't know. I know my answer. I mean, I would love to see Mount Everest. That's my answer, <laughs> yo! I've read enough books about Mount Everest. Have you ever read anything on Mount Everest? No, I mean, I read the newspaper, and sometimes there'll be stories in there. They're usually tragic yes, stories. Yes, they usually but, are, um, right? You know, certainly I've read about the first man that scaled it and, you know, people oh that gosh. have done it numerous times. But I have something to tell you. Hmm? Mount Everest is actually not the highest peak. I believe that's incorrect. What are you talking about? It's, that is- it's actually Mount Chimborazo in Ecuador. If you take into account the equator, it's actually higher because it sits on a bulge. You mean to tell me I've been lying to my students <laughs> for 15 <laughs> At years? At sea level, it is the highest Mount Everest, but actually Mount Chimborazo, which I've been to. Oh, my gosh. And I've been 12,000 feet above sea level. Whoa. But I couldn't go any higher because I couldn't breathe. Breathe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they carry the oxygen tanks and all that. It's, it's madness. Maybe one day. I don't know. If you can't get to Mount Everest, you could certainly get there. Good. I have another option. Yes. All right. One more. Oh, we had the same answer. Oh, all right. Here yeah. we go. Oh, this is kind of kind of a similar type question okay there's so many options if you could at this very moment take a ride on anything in the world whether it be a roller coaster or an animal or whatever a tesla what would you want to ride oh i would love the concord the concord yeah i I know it's not in service anymore, so we have to <laughs> find a time machine. But I used to see it when I lived in Queens. I used to see it parked at Kennedy Airport back in the 90s. And I was like, oh, man, 
if only I could afford a ticket. <laughs> what so, a cool yeah. answer. Yeah, that would be, because I think it goes, what? It gets from New York to London in three hours? Yeah. Something like something that? Something crazy. How cool is that? I know, right? Yeah, but, I wouldn't want to go up in space. That would I would have an anxiety attack. I, I had a dream <laughs> once. I had a dream once you? that I was up in the spaceship looking down on Earth, and I started remembering all my kids down there and everything. Oh. And I never felt more lonely in real life than I did in that dream. I bet. Yeah. I think it is lonely. I think, you know, the folks that go up in space, they're so brave. So yeah. brave. For six, five, six months at a time? God. God. Can you imagine? That's crazy. Oh, I would kill somebody. Eileen, <laughs> but there's no one there to kill. That's the biggest problem. Eileen, you're such a cool guest. Uh, before you get out of here, anyone out there in the world that you would like to give a shout out to? Well, I would like to say hello to Morella, who um, is uh, got me involved in all of this as, um, as a volunteer. And uh, as I said before, if anyone is interested in in doing the work that I do, we are always hiring. So awesome! Hey, guess what? We're well over an hour. Oh my goodness! Talk. <laughs> the gift of gab. Yes, but you thank have you. It I had folds. so much fun. Did you? You were an awesome guest, ladies and gentlemen. Please give it up for Eileen. Oh, I have my microphone technical difficulties. Let me try this again. Eileen Snyder. Thank you.